your favourite film. Is awful. Hello, and welcome to Your Favourite Film is Awful, the show where we take your favourite films and defend them against negative reviews. As always, I'm with Charlie. Say hello, Charlie. How you doing, my man? And, special guest, we've got Sean again. Hello, Sean. Hi, it's me, Sean again. It is <laughs> you. Again. That's your full name. That's the, that's the title, Sean again. <laughs> last, last name again, first name Sean. <laughs> Stirred, not shaken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How you guys been? What have you been up to? Uh, exactly, Sean you Grimsley know, films. Sean Fil- oh, actually, do you know what? Hang on, wait one second. Where is it? Oh, oh. I'm stepping out to do this because this is too good. Hang on, wait. Keep, keep, keep your, oh, God, keep the people okay. entertained. Fantastic. Keep the pe- so, uh, Charlie. We, what you been up to, real quick? What have I been up to? What have I been up to? Yeah, yeah quick, quick. Right. You don't know how long it's going to be. Right, that is true. Um, I haven't been up too much because it's lockdown and there's nothing much we can do uh, <laughs> at all other than watch movies. How about you? Uh, love, the hat. love the hat. Love the hat. SG Films. That's it. Rep it. Perfect. On brand. On brand. Fantastic. On See, brand. Don't even need to plug the socials. You've got it on your hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. That's staying on now, the whole thing. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. Sean, that's what it. have you been up to? Have you watched anything of interest of late? I have been watching. What have I been watching? I have been checking out um, the U.S. Office and going back. I've never actually seen it before, so doing a deep oh, wow, dive on okay. that, and uh, had have plenty of time to get through that. I think I've done six seasons in about three weeks. Um, <laughs> so really yeah, been been doing that, and it is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. Believe the hype because it is mm-hmm. it is accurate. Really? Okay. Yeah, it is. It's 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 genius. at a a staggering level it does everything that i love about the british show Mm. it lets it retain its own sense of identity while having its own one and it's just got just the most the reason that it works above anything else though it's just it's got such a good heart like it's Mm. it the 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 the, the heart of it is so beautiful and so pure um yeah i'd say the u.s office is one of the few things that the u.s has taken from the uk and actually translated it to their audience successfully because i know you've got like misfits uh skins uh whatever what, it crowd i think was a pilot for that in between us oh my god did you see but yeah but u.s <laughs> office like to the point where if you search for the office now you're going to get the u.s office before you even see hide nor hair of the uk office yeah yeah and it it, it totally earns it as well like mm. it, i i don't want to say one's better than the other I, I don't think it's fair to say that but i think that they're, they're both staggering levels of genius mm. in their own in their own right that's Very exciting true. because i'm obviously as you know sean i'm a massive fan of the uk office oh we know and we yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh the reason uh i haven't watched the us one is just because i'm like what's the point it's so perfect the uk office why do i watch it but what i've heard is you know you have the first season that's supposed to be very similar to the uk one and then it turns into its own show and yeah. that that intrigues me and that makes me want to watch it because i think you know if they could take it and make it their own because mm. i could because the humor is so different like you can't mm. necessarily do that the uk humor in the us it doesn't quite translate um so i'm i mean with only two seasons do something yeah i mean with only two seasons you could make the argument that you can't even do the UK humour in the UK. I guess so. Uh, yeah. Although, it, I feel like it ends pretty perfectly, though. I don't know about how do you feel, Sean. But... <laughs> I do, yeah. I kind of disregard the movie. Like, it, like, it, it yes, ends yeah, where the show ends. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> when, when Stephen Merchant stopped working on it, 
that's when you re- that's kind of what the u.s office is you know everything that ricky gervais did after the office with that character he did without St- Stephen merchant mm. and um it, it for me it became too cruel and i think Stephen merchant really brought a lot of heart to the office and really like you know i imagine that steve merchant was probably more responsible for the for the love story you know of tim in that first in the in the uk office and it, it, without him ricky gervais can i think lose a little bit of the heart whereas yeah. the u.s office is like understands the Stephen merchant way of thinking a little bit more than the ricky gervais i think so is it a bit more wholesome it seems it is but don't let that put you off not in that it's okay. not it's not um saccharin in any way i don't think anyway well yeah, yeah similar just... way to like how you'd say like other sitcoms like community or something are like quite wholesome as well parks and rec way. parks and rec obviously and was rec. Okay. is is i mean it's by the same team it was originally supposed to be a spin-off of the u.s office leslie nope was supposed to be in the u.s office and then they were going to spin it off from there it just never happened that way um but if you like parks and rec it is very very like it's the same tone as the u.s office okay i'll definitely check it out yeah man i think you'll really dig it yeah, um, I just want to hop in just to let the people know. Uh, if you watched our top 10 video uh, or listened to the podcast, I just want to say now, um, it's been, what, two weeks since that episode came out? My list has already changed. Um, because we have the Yafir Awards coming out, I've had to watch like the nominations. The list has changed. I c- I'm not restating what the list is, because that would have to be another hour of my life sorting into a list. Mm-hmm. But it has changed. Uh, yesterday, I watched... Richard Jewell, Promising Young Woman, We Can Be Heroes, and Capone. And apart from We Can Be Heroes, which has its flaws, but makes sense for the category it's in, which is Uncooked Award, the other four films are really, really good. And just want to recommend them now. Very quickly. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because I also watched Richard Jewell this week. And Sean is one of the people that recommended me I watch it. So this is perfect. Yeah. (laughs) What a great movie, huh? It Brilliant. is. I, I, it's, uh, it's one of my favourite Clint Eastwood movies since like Gran Torino, uh, maybe even earlier. Um, I feel, I really, really enjoyed it. And I think it, I was quite surprised at how, I don't know, kind of relevant it is, um, particularly with like cancel culture and um, and stuff. I, I just really enjoyed it. I thought the performance from... Uh, do you know what? I really need to learn this actor's name. The guy who plays... Uh, Paul Walterhauser. He is phenomenal. He's so good. In, he, he's in Cobra Kai and he has one of the funniest roles in it as well. He's just so good. Like everything he's been in, like Black Klansman. I know he kind of plays that kind of that type, but like mm. he's just so he's just so perfect and he just understands the comedic timing of things. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was really blown away. So I'm glad you liked that as well, uh, Luke, because I think it would definitely have been if we'd done our top ten now, it probably would have pushed yeah. a few films out. Um, it felt uh, like I, I remember watching I went to see it at the cinema where it didn't do very well it, it flopped pretty hard mm. unfortunately um, and I remember cu- during watching it I was sat there thinking this is the kind of film that doesn't really get made anymore this is like a proper adult kind of thriller but like it just I was captivated and hooked and I didn't know whether he did it or not and that was the I think yeah. that was that was the thing for me. And I'm not gonna spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it that might be listening to this podcast. I had no idea. And I think the film played it that way, regardless of if they kind of thought the audience knew or not. And it mm. worked so perfectly for me. Yes, one hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I, just, I and I just thought the cast from top to bottom was phenomenal. Um 
like John Hamm, Olivia Wilde, all brilliant in it. Um, Kathy it's hard, Bates. Obviously, this, I could go into detail of certain things that I like, but I don't want to spoil it. It's one of those I'd rather people just like watch yeah. it clean. Just don't yeah, look into don't it. Let's go into it, it now yeah. because we've got to talk about it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make a guest appearance on the Yafir Awards. As Richard but... Jewell. <laughs> <laughs> you Love couldn't it. be more opposite in like body type. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, could, you couldn't be any more miscast as Richard Jewell. Time to A eat. British oh. tall skinny man. Time <laughs> to eat. Time slim. Let's say slim. Let's not say slim. Oh, slim. Sorry, not skinny, but you know what I mean. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. You know. I have no, no, no. You, you, you make Slender Man a run man. for his nummy. I'm just jealous, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous that I eat a chip and I put on like a stone. Oh, <laughs> well, it's you it's the I, I, it's it does allow me to you know not wear a lot of a lot of clothes. You know, wearing a nice t-shirt, expose the arm. But I took my jumper off earlier because I started to feel the heat. Mm. Hey, I'm I'm feeling the heat right now. Actually, I should probably take this off. Uh, <laughs> is it too much it heat for you, Charlie? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Melissa McCarthy's the heat. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite film is awful. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> completed. Completed it, week. mate. Completed it. <laughs> completed it. <laughs> Come next week where we do Spy, starring Jason Statham. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jason Statham is the only good thing in that movie. I've not actually seen it, to be fair. Oh, so it's worth it just for Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, not that heat. We're not doing that heat. Continuing on with our fan-submitted films, this one comes from both uh, Charlie K, who came on before him on the previous episodes, and also Sean, and that's why he's here. Now, because, there's, because we've changed it a little bit since you were last on, Sean, because it's just been me and oh. Charlie... Um, we have had Charlie do all of the, the plot synopses. However, because this oh. is the second time we've had two people, we're going to do it the way we did it last time. So, <laughs> Matt is not here, but Matt introduced this idea. Charlie and Sean, could you together tell us <laughs> the plot of Heat by finishing each other's sentences? Sandwiches. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Damn, fuck. <laughs> Too slow. Sean, would you like to go first as you are the guest? Heat is a movie <laughs> about fucking professionals. Because <laughs> that's what Michael Mann does. He makes movies about professionals, regardless if they're criminals or not. <laughs> and they are criminals, but they're also not criminals in this movie because some of them are cops. And uh, <laughs> their lives are actually quite similar to each other. And that is played through the theme of the movie where De Niro and Al Pacino's characters are parallel <laughs> opposites in job <laughs> description but exact identicals in terms of focus <laughs> also Val Kilmer is in it <laughs> is in it also Tom also Tom Sizemore <laughs> is in it Natalie Portman <laughs> she's in it she's little she's in it she's, li she's little between <laughs> between Leon and Star Wars <laughs> she made heat 
Oh dear. Oh, no that, one... was, that was perfect. Brilliant. Yeah, uh, that I was a that. that was a very Matt Whittle moment. He's always with us in spirit. <laughs> He's always with us in spirit. Well, he literally is with me right now in this flat. So is he under the desk? <laughs> yeah, he's under it. You know, he can't resist being on a podcast. Oh, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm crying a little bit. That was brilliant. <laughs> However, uh, as always, somehow I don't know how I give you ample opportunity all the time, and this has got to be like how many episodes are we in now? And you missed the fundamentals, the like the basic gist of this entire film, which, of course, Irish Pirate will inform you with a one-star review explaining quite clearly pretentious melodramatic horse shit is he talking about and the that's podcast it. that's the review you get three words <laughs> so, is it a review for the podcast or he yeah i wasn't no, sure yeah. <laughs> no this is gold what are you on about no. your favorite film is awful is awful <laughs> <laughs> What were the three words again? Give them to us again. Pretentious, melodramatic, horse shit. Wow. I, I'm not sure how it's pretentious. Yeah, no. I was just about to say that. I, I think it's far from pretentious, really. I think it's very quite grounded in reality. Yeah. Um, so I find it weird that... It's really char- It's like really character-based. Super like... character-based. Like, the, the whole... I was listening to the director's commentary and all... The Michael Mann was speaking about was like every little detail that he researched into these characters and like he knew he knew the ins and outs of what it was like to be a cop and a criminal in LA like it was and I think that shows in the film do you not agree Sean? Yeah I mean he did the research right and he worked with LAPD officers and like the the character that De Niro plays is based on a real person right so like it's grounded in a reality I don't know I don't I'm not sure how it's pretentious. I'd, I'd, if if he was a man of more words, we might be able to get to the core of that. But um, yeah, that, if that if there's like fair enough, he thinks it's a one star film. But I mean, he is wrong. But uh, I I don't know where he's got pretentious from. I'm not sure about that. No. What about melodramatic? Yeah. I can appreciate that as a review from the perspective of um, Al Pacino's performance. <laughs> yeah. Right. See, I've I've but... I've one eighty on it. One eighty on it. One eighty. <laughs> Not that I disliked it before, because obviously right. I love yeah, Sal Pacino. He does what he does. But if you listen to Michael Mann talk about him in the commentary and he, and me just watching it myself like this time around, I noticed that well, what, what Michael Mann said was that he he studied like these cops and how they work, particularly when you look at the, the scene with the informant and how he goes, you know, crazy... <laughs> What's that? What's that line he says during when he's talking to the informant? He says something like, uh, "And she's got a great ass." <laughs> That's later on. That's later on. we're definitely gonna get to that. Yeah. We're definitely going. I think to get the to first that. time it's just a lot of "Give it to me." Yeah, he's like, "Give it to me." He's going crazy. That whole scene, uh, the informant in that. Um, but the whole reason why he does that and why he acts like that is because Michael Mann was saying that informants are very, um, like, they they will never quite tell you the truth. Because they're dropping someone in that benefits them whilst also not dropping in someone else and blah, 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 blah. Um, so he said a lot of cops, what they'll do is they'll actually act a bit wild. They'll go a bit mad, like how he does, to sort of see how they react and judge by their reaction. Because the way they will react to that scenario will tell them more about if they're lying or not or if they know more than what they're giving off. Um, oh, and then watching okay. it through that lens has made me see that performance like so differently. Um, See, and it kind of I, it really quite fits, but yeah. I read somewhere 
and I don't know if there's a grain of truth to it, that he was playing the role as if he was on cocaine and he yeah. kept doing snorts of cocaine. Yeah, that's always. I, I think. I think that's based on like there was a an earlier draft of it where he was like he was ah, a coke addict. Okay. Um, and so like even though that got written out of the script, Pacino kind of kept it in. But I I think it's one of the. I, I personally think it's one of his definitive performances. And I I think why I really really enjoy it is that that's the kind of performance that you expect from a villain in a film, mm. not not from your kind of like hero protagonist because you've got a dual protagonist but i wouldn't argue that either of them are the bad guy mm. well that's a very good point because the one that is typically the bad guy who is the criminal is is de niro and he's quite the opposite he kind of plays like your traditional hero type in terms of very reserved keeps everything to himself you know that kind of silent man with no name type almost um very efficient what he does doesn't never drops a beat never looks uncool whereas then you have like the others you know the opportunity of the villain well the villain usually is the one that you like you said uh sean is the one that's more theatric who's you know he's he's, he's being you know over the top and you know on, on purpose um because he's usually they've got big egos or they're trying to create big characters and make you like them through how charismatic they are but it's interesting like you pointed that out because i didn't think about that that you know typically i know they're both the flip side of the coin and you they're both you could root for either of them i guess um it's interesting that he's the one even though he's the cop the traditional good guy is the one that's given the more over the top performance um mm. i wonder if that was something that was intentional well yeah even in the smaller moments because you have the bit with de niro and his criminal friends when he he knows that they're being watched and they have that little meeting on the car park and it's just like hey if anyone wants to go, just go. It's not worth your lives. If you don't need this money, feel free to leave. If I was you, I would actually leave, but I need this money. Sort of thing, which you'd see from a hero like banding together, being like, the odds are against us, but we're the only ones that can do this. Everyone stand up in a circle <laughs> and say but they'll I, do it. I think you've got to the core of why this film works so like i rewatched this quite recently to re-solidify it in my mind as one of the best movies ever made period um yeah. and i told my girlfriend to watch it after i seen it i was because i couldn't stop talking about it and she watched it and like she texts me quite a lot during the day um and she wasn't texting back and i was like oh she's you know maybe she's died but turns out she was just <laughs> turns out she was watching heat um ah. which means that she did die but she went to heaven michael man heaven um and she just yes. texted me and was just like that is one of the best movies i think i've ever seen and we were talking about why and i th i think the reason that it works is it's so carefully constructed as two characters who are almost identical in their focus and commitment to their work the film is almost a study of how men identify themselves as their profession, really, but are on opposite sides of the spectrum of good and bad. Um, and the whole movie shows the, you know, the De Niro character who, in the in terms of the, the, the cops versus robbers, is the robber, 
but you see sympathetic sides to him you see you see his wants and his desires based on the choices that he's made and you want him to get those things so uh, but you also see that from pacino in the typical good guy sense so you've got these two lead characters he's the it's the bad guy that you want to win and it's the good guy that you want to win and as a result mm. the movie is constantly just every scene it doesn't matter what's happening you you as the audience member are completely winning because everything that's playing out on the screen is you want everybody to win but you know it can't happen that way and yet somehow by the time you get to that resolution it's perfect like it is the right ending yep i 100 agree and i think that is all solidified with the character, um, you know, the ex-convict uh, who works in the, the diner. Because, you know, that, that, what, like what you said, the, the conflict is that we know... Hold on a minute. We've seen heist movies before. We know that this is the big heist. They're leading up to it. Something's probably going to go wrong. We know yeah. that's going to happen. And then we have the tension of, oh, this guy's trying so hard to be clean. And now he's about to go on this heist that we're pretty sure might go wrong because... Yeah the big heist at the end of the movies goes wrong and so there's a tension in that and then obviously to see that character get killed is so there's something so tragic about it and there's something that solidifies the whole theme kind of of the movie to me of you know these people i don't know do you know what i mean like it kind of gives like um i think in the commentary um he was saying about al pacino's character and how he even though he's seen all these horrible things he always tries to see from their perspective like no matter who they are he tries to see like where they come from and like the issues of like and how they become the person they are um interesting um would you like a review from december 15th 1995 a review of course. back in time back Definitely. in time with janet maslin this is a little bit of an again extra... didn't we have again. janet on the seven podcast we did Brilliant. indeed well you know long time a long time critic. listener long time caller <laughs> <laughs> so this is a little extract from her review but three hours is a long time it's long enough to shape a godfather caliber crime story or long enough for an overly polished veneer to wear thin and as heat progresses its sensational looks pale beside storytelling weaknesses that expose the more soulless aspects of this Cat and mouse crime tale. Extraordinary actors, clever settings, a maze of a plot, and a screenplay with nearly 70 speaking roles. Don't change the fact that Heat is fundamentally hollow and its characters haven't much to say. End of extract. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I've got to be honest with you here. Uh, Prior to the previous bad review, which was only three words, I'm going to delve into this one. That's the first time I've ever heard someone say they don't like heat. So, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so excuse me if it's just taken me a moment to process. But well, um, not even that, Sean. Before I cut, just so I cut you up quickly. But this is the same lady. This is the same thing about seven that come out mm-hmm. in the same year. So yeah, wow. I just don't think we agree. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. I'll, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tackle the first thing. Uh, uh, f- fundamentally, obviously, I'm here to disagree with these reviews, so I'm disagreeing <laughs> with it. Fundamentally, the pacing of this film is incredible. And it's, it's uh, as far as I'm concerned, this film is so close to perfect that my problem with it 
is that it's still 10 minutes too short. Too like, short. It's, yeah, too short. It's, yeah. You it's wanted so, it that full three hour mark. I need that. I need that. Here's what, here's like, it's so perfect that it's, it's the, th- the things that are wrong with it are minor, but like, it's such, how can, how can I explain? Right. Charlie once asked me, right. When it comes to screenwriting, people always say, how do you balance character and plot? Like, what's the difference? How do you do that? Watch heat. Cause this movie, every moment of that plot is hinged on all of those characters and you getting to know those characters as, as richly as possible for the yeah. audience to engage with the one character in fact the two characters that don't get quite enough service to that ideal in this movie and the reason that the movie is 10 minutes too short for me is the natalie portman character needs one extra scene yes and so does the amy brenneman character the person that is falling in love with de niro and de niro falls in love with her um they're the only two characters whose intrinsic moments in the plot we don't know quite as much about their characters or what's going on with them. We don't get quite as much rich mm. detail. Yeah, you're that right. That when the stuff happens with them, that feels a bit plotty yeah, as opposed bit, to I don't naturally. Carry. Yeah. Mm. And as a result, it, it only emphasizes the fact that this is such an incredibly masculine film. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it Because it's a film that is concerned with how men construct their identity surrounding their work. Mm. And everything else that you know falls by the wayside as a result of that i think it's really really interesting that the one female character that does get enough screen time and that plays out perfectly for is is ashley judd um and that comes full circle the decisions that she makes all the way through the film you understand why she makes them and you're on side with her and it's heartbreaking and it's like the film's got like so many iconic scenes and they're all character driven and um but yeah, it's it's just those two things that I think are just missing from that film for it to be a perfect ten out of ten. But it's a it's a solid nine point eight. <laughs> <laughs> See, I still think it's perfect, uh, <laughs> even though I do agree, I do agree. But I think every movie has those those little yeah. those little things. Um, and yeah, I would agree. I think her character is uh, brilliant. I just I love the the dynamic um, with Val Kilmer, and I I just love that. Yeah, I love the line when he's like. When De Niro, that whole scene when De Niro is speaking to him when he turns up in his house after they had an argument, and uh, he's like, uh, he's like, well, come on, like, what are we doing here? Like, you need to sort yourself out, sort of thing. What are you doing? And like, we, we'll do this job, and you can get away or whatever. And uh, he says, oh no, like, like the sun rises and sets with her, man. Like, and that, like, that's such a good, such a good line because, like, you know, for all of. Kilmer's like uh, the character. Vilma, I can't remember the character's name. Val Kilmer's character. Um, he's Chris. got a gambling addiction. Chris, for all of his um, like flaws in terms of you know he he seems like he, he genuinely cares for her um, and she genuinely cares for him, but she just can't deal with this this addiction he has, this gambling problem. I mean, because you got one one he's obviously some sort of adrenaline junkie. You got one hand, you know, he's robbing banks for big cash, and then he's spunking it all gambling. Um, and I just. And I just think that line, just I don't know. I do, there's something so painful about it because it just it just says that he can't he can't help himself almost. There's and like you get that. Do you know what I mean like that's that's that one line, and I've just got that from from that. And I just think that's the the genius in the the writing of this film. And I I was actually quite surprised that he just wrote it on his own, Michael Mann. Um, there was no because I just think there's so many characters to juggle and balance, and every character I feel like 
whether they have a couple of lines or a few lines, you understand who they are. And obviously that's up to him in terms of uh, getting those performances. And I think a lot of that comes down to um, obviously De Niro. De Niro's performance, he adds a lot to that that role. Not that it wasn't already there on the paper, on the page, sorry. But yeah, I just find that a lot of the the characters, like even if they're not in it that long, you just, you understand them. And they're not, and I don't feel particularly too tropey with maybe the um, exception of uh, Ted Levine's character, um, who's obviously the the, the nuts, the nutcase sort of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Ted um, Ted Le- Ted Levine plays the cop, plays the other cop. It's uh, the guy sorry. that plays. Yeah, but he looks like Wayne. Yes, Grove, he does right? look like Wayne. He Grove. does. Sorry, a, I, always I I I do this all the time. I do this yeah. all the time. Um, the guy that played Ted Levine was brought onto the film too. He was offered Wayne Grove, but he thought it was too similar to buffalo bill so he was like can i be yeah. one of the good guys um but they look so alike no it, I, do you know what i actually until you just said that i was like oh damn that's not <laughs> like, <laughs> i always forget it's not him like every time i'm like they just look so he does look so similar um that's amazing uh, but the guy the guy that plays wayne grow i can't remember the actor's name because unfortunately and i don't know how this happened after this he kind of just faded into obscurity um which is crazy to me because in my head he's one of the most iconic villains in a movie ever. Um, yes, that's the, he ended the double up... sword of that sort of um, role is that you yeah. do such a good job, they audition you and they only see you as that one role. I mean, the yeah, big one or... there would be Luke Skywalker, uh, Mark Hamill struggled until he did voice acting work and got the Joker. And now he's both of those characters. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It worked out well for him. But what's interesting yeah. about the Wayne Grove guy, just as a little side, he he ended up going to prison a few years later. It wasn't for anything horrible. It was like insurance fraud or something like that. Uh, yeah, it always um, is. And every, everyone in prison called him Wayne Grove. <laughs> <laughs> they, oh, of no. course they would. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so good. So I thought but, that was... Uh, a... that, you, that, talking about Wayne Grove just reminded me of like, again, you're talking about the character and the plot and how they're like, they're, they're exactly they're like exactly entwined in this movie like mm. where they're they're they completely push the other um and that is all told alone through the scene where um after they've done that first heist and wayne grow shoots the cops and then they go into that restaurant and you know immediately they're like we just we just take him out because that's not how we deal with things like we're professionals he's done that like he, he's got to go and like just the way that de niro carries himself in that scene and uh oh, i forgot the actors now i'm terrible today the actor's name who's in a uh, natural born killers and uh, tr- uh tom, tom, tom sizemore tom sizemore that's it tom sizemore he um when he just gives that little look to the the guy sitting in the restaurant who notices wayne grow get take a little punch like uh, whacked on the side yeah um, it's the little like, just... all these little moments that and none of it's dialogue really and that you and you, that you get this little scene of you know, of them trying to take him out and then he's like trying to sliver away from them and i just I, I, but all of that is just telling you everything and it's setting up the plot for the rest of the movie at the same time like and it's also telling you about each individual character that are involved in the the heist um and i just i just i just think it's actually absolutely genius while i was watching it um and i, it, I when i was listening to the, the commentary um michael mann was saying that he imagined he see him like a like a contagion like as soon as he's gone, he's like infected the rest of their decisions and what they do. Because obviously later on, he, you know, he's part of the reason why it all goes tits up for him. Um, and I just thought it was interesting that he saw him like that. Because it's not even that. It's exactly his survival 
fucks it up. Like it's nothing yeah. else. It's it's just he survived because he doesn't do that. I think he kills one guy. He kills um thingy in his penthouse. He kills the uh, the the uh, the lady as well, doesn't he? Who who are you talking about killing someone? Sorry, who's killing who? Uh, Wengro. He Wengro. kills the the late the the couple, the bloke, the the guy that used to be on the the team, but then calls up and is like, "I'm burned. I can't get rid of these cops." Yeah, and he kills he, um, him and his... uh, he, he kills a he kills a a, a, a young a teen a teenage prostitute. Yes. Um, yes, in the middle of the film, and that is a great scene because it's the it's the Buffalo Bill scene essentially, and it's that's how you know he's the principal bad guy. Mm. Um, because he's the only one in the movie that does something genuinely evil. Now I know that you know, like the other guys shoot and could hit innocent bystanders or anything like that. They mm. kind of write that off as well. That's part of the job, and yeah. somehow that does translate because that can happen with cops as well. The cops are shooting just as as violently. Yeah, yeah. And and so like the only person that kills people without a moral compass is Wangro. So you know yeah. that he's the villain. And it's 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 so well it's such a it's such a great idea that it gives the audience something to unite about. So the kind of villain that the the the, the protag the antagonist of, of the protagonist, you're on his side as well. It's fucking brilliant. Can I swear? I don't know. I just did. You, yeah, you can, can swear. <laughs> no, it's fucking brilliant. Oh, I should agree. I, I don't think I was ever on Wangro's side. Sorry, I meant on De Niro's side. So okay, like, good, no, no, we're never... good clarity. Wingo's <laughs> the only. Yeah, Wingo's the one that's like the most pure evil. The others, you know, they kind of tear the line, don't they? Yes. Um, or you can root for them more. You understand why they make those decisions more than obviously Wingrove is the. He's just a nutter, isn't he? And that's why they want to take him out, isn't it? Because he, he can't be reasoned with. He's not someone that, you know, he's too mad. He's going to jeopardize the how professional they are because it's not about the what? killing it's not about the thrill for them it's about the efficiency isn't it um wayne grow it's like de niro and pacino are the cat and the mouse and both the cat and the mouse want to put an end to the snake which is wayne grow yeah mm. yeah definitely that's cool definitely I, I i like the opening how it opens in general i just love that you get you, you're seeing all these different stories and you're not you're, you're not quite sure what's going on and i think that's what it keeps you on edge because you're like that guy got off a train and now he's in the ambulance. Like, and he's, is he an ambulance driver? And then you're seeing another guy at a construction work. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, what's going on? And all of a sudden, then they put the hockey masks on and you're like, oh, okay. They, these are some, these are going to do some dodgy stuff. Um, like you got, cause you got, yeah, to think, I don't think like, that was ever about... like hidden. <laughs> no, I, I, but not hidden, but do you see what I'm saying? Like if you're, if you think about the juxtaposition of the images, you right. don't know anymore. What is it? You're going if in, this was your first knowing, film ever, no, but you're going in knowing, you're going in knowing what the heat's about, right? Whereas the, if then, you're going, then I'm, I'm, I'm no. thinking about it as if first time I've seen it. The I'm only way about, what you're saying makes sense is if, is if this is the first crime film you've watched. Not really. Yeah. I'm talking about the director's. I'm talking about the director using like, these I get it from tools like, to what you're saying from like an imagery point of view. It's nice to see these different sto- like uh, stories, and then they come together very quickly to make the first crime. I think one of the positive reviews I read was like, "This is a the good version of Crash." It's like all those little stories that come together. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly. Funny. Um, that so I get funny. where you're coming from, but I disagree with your point that you wouldn't know that was happening. I didn't say I didn't say you say you wouldn't know. I'm just saying like it's 
you're putting the images together and you're thinking in your head like what's going on here like the way that's and that, there's no dialogue in that he's not sitting around are going, you talking oh, are you talking about like the, the the full effect of how the cross cutting kind of creates yes. some tension because you're not entirely sure where all this is leading to yes that's exactly right. what I'm i think i really i it's something it's something i i i i i was with luke at the beginning i was like i'm not yeah. sure what you mean but now i fully understand what <laughs> yeah, you're saying yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree with you it's also it was something my friend aaron said recently when we were talking about he he said like all of every part of the way that that film works is what christopher nolan has based his entire career entire on. career yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 100% I, i've always seen uh like nolan is like Michael Mann meets Kubrick, isn't he? Like that's his kind of aesthetic that I feel like he's going for. Um, whereas, obviously, Fincher is the modern-day Kubrick, in in my opinion, in terms of yeah. his approach to filmmaking. Um, is very similar in terms of his perfectionism. But yes, but it, and I, all I can see when I watch in Heat is like, is the Dark Knight. And like, oh, Nolan's... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, uh, everything about it, from the colour grade, to the way he shoots the city, to the the scope of it like everything i'm like yeah the cross uh, the cross cutting the villain that you root mm. the kind of that you're also rooting for like you know like the dark knight is joker's film above anything yeah, yes. else and you know um so that you know it plays it plays with audience expectation and desire very very well as well um yeah it's it's interesting i i, I there was something you said earlier charlie that i thought was was interesting but you're talking about addiction and i i think it's i think what what's interesting about this film is that every single character seems to be addicted to something, you mm. know, like De Niro's addicted to his job. Pacino's addicted to his job. Like, you know, like whatever Chris's addiction is with the gambling, it's his addiction to his woman that fun that fuels the gambling. You know, he's trying to satisfy her above anything else. And it's, I think that's, that that's why the film is so such an intense spectacle is because you're watching all of these addicts make choices and you're just like, you like Tom Sizemore being the perfect example. We see this guy be a loving kid, but then at the point of the bank robbery, we see him pick up a kid as a hostage. And it's like, what do I do with this information? Yes. And it's like, this is an addict. This is someone that you're supposed to care about and love, but they do some horrible things. And it's because it, he is an addict. He's another, you know, De Niro says, like, I don't really want you on this job. And he's like, nah, nah, I need to be there. And it's like, well, yeah. you, he's like, you have enough money stored away. It's because these guys, they like the, the thrill of it. Yeah, um, it's the next big and that's hit. Also, and I, yeah, and I, I, just to go back to that opening when I was talking about the cross-cutting, I just love that, you know, you're putting everything together and you're getting everything kind of the way they, you know, the professionalism of these characters, you're getting that through the way they deal with the heist. Um, but then the fact that afterwards you then get to see Al Pacino's character try and figure that out and almost like figure become the audience and almost figure them out as characters. Like, he's like, why did that guy shoot him there? And He's like, he's like putting it all, like if you didn't quite get it the first time that these guys are professionals, he's, he's telling you, but like not in an expositional way. It's a, I think it's like perfectly, perfectly done. Like you understand all these characters are like pretty immediately. Um, I just thought that was genius, particularly watching it that time. I don't want to, I mean, I, I know we've only had two reviews, so maybe we should have one more, but I, I, hmm. I could talk about this movie for hours. Yes, you can, but true. you're not going to. We're going to do this review, <laughs> and then we're going to go into our chats. It's a it's a lighter one, I feel. This is from Michael M. It's a one-star review. Very long for no reason and not that funny. One star for when Pacino says the ass thing. 
Try 22 Jump Street for a much more fully realised tale of cops, robbers, and everything in between. I mean, 22 all, Jump Street? F- first of all, why not 21 Jump Street? But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> I need to know more. Like, please, <laughs> I need to know more. Like, yeah, why please. 22 specifically? Like, Get- it's making me want to go back and watch 22 Jump Street. Like, is 22 Jump Street connected to heat in any way? Like, <laughs> I need to know. I need to know this. Imagine if that's the shared universe. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> I would, oh, I would I pay don't... good money to see that movie. <laughs> Yes. D- 21 Jump Street directed by Michael Mann. <laughs> yes. 20 23 Jump Street. <laughs> 23. Fantastic. Um I mean we've talked about the longevity thing before. Everyone's wrong about that. It's too short. But um <laughs> <laughs> um yep. I can't remember anything else that the review said. This is the problem. I'm listening to it and I'm just getting infused. How is it how is it only yeah. one star because of the ass? You know, yeah. it's like yeah, that's what at least el- two. What other movie? Yeah, that's at least four. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she's got a great ass. And she's got a great ass and your head's right up it. Right up it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, but yeah, that's... Improv line, that not in the script. Ah. It's just that cocaine-fueled thing that was written out of the script. <laughs> yeah, mate. Uh, mate. If it, um, another fact, actually. You know the opening? You know the uh, the train? The train yeah. station has stopped. Yeah, that's actually that. the last stop in Collateral. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, how, how cool fun. is that? Nice. That's so the right. first stop of Heat, last stop of uh, Collateral. But th- there's, there's, you know, this is how intricately made that film is. The first time you see Robert De Niro, he steps off that train. The f- he looks over his shoulder before he faces you, and like that is, it, it tells you everything you need to know about that character. Hundred percent. Everything. And then when he uses his elbow. Yeah, and to, to press the no door. No fingerprints. Like this guy is a professional. A professional. professional. It works. Like I would be remiss. You know, like you... we've got, we're, we're quite a way into this, and we haven't even talked about the big shootout at length. <laughs> we haven't got to the good. We haven't even like the, 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 the <laughs> but it's it's the centerpiece of the movie. Like every yes. character thing builds up to that. That's the end of most movies. But the fallout yeah. from that. Mm. It's still just as interesting. Like it's anyone that says this movie is too short doesn't understand why that sequence is iconic. Like it is just everything. Like every every gun shootout you've ever seen since has been influenced by that one, Mm. and no one's topped it. No one's even come close. No, not at all. I I just love that. That's the start of obviously that entire sort of third act of the movie. But it it's like a it's a good chunk of the movie, and it's like the part where everything's going wrong, and the fact that you watch all of that because ultimately you know that is what we go to see highest movies for. We go to watch everything go wrong, and the fact that you know you've had all this big build up, we've got all these characters, going, and now you've got this whole bit where everything's going wrong, and it's the most epic epic shootout you've ever seen, and then you get the two guys that you're rooting for at the end have a standoff with each other and you, and you don't really quite know what's going to happen. Like you don't really know. I mean, you've got a funny idea that maybe Al Pacino is going to, cause you know, we've seen these kind of movies before, but you're not a hundred percent sure. Um, and I just, I just, I just love that. And, and, and the fact there's like a, there's a respect f- that they have for each other. That's it. That, mm. that is what this movie is like all about. It, it, and what makes it special is that, 
because like you said the flip side of the same of the same coin it's the dinosaur scene they're literally they're they're yeah, both guys the, and they'll they'll probably order the exact they'll they'll yeah. order the exact same dish but it's you know th- th- they're on opposite sides of that bench they do the same thing but just on opposite sides that see that scene is incredible like it's just incredible i think man's uh, had like he set up two shots so there's two cameras recording at, at the same time um because he was like you gotta think like this is al pacino <laughs> and robert de niro like two of the greatest actors of all time and they're you know they're doing a dialogue scene together like he was like i there's no there's no point in me trying to do anything flashy he was like i'm sticking the camera there i'm sticking <laughs> no. the camera there and they're gonna do their thing he said yeah. he said you literally can't move those cameras anymore either way because you'll see the other camera um mm. he was like cause he was like and it, it, we just kept it going and let them to do their thing and like and that's i think that's the time when you do do it when you have al pacino and de niro across each other that's when you shoot two angles and just let them because it doesn't out. cut it doesn't cut to a master wide other than the, no. the initial establishing mm. shot it just stays on them it would be interesting to see who the last shot of that sequence is i wonder if it ends on pacino because he ends mm. up being the victor at the end i'd be curious just to see mm. um to go back and, yeah. and study that Apparently De Niro apparently I was De Niro, just gonna say apparently yeah De Niro didn't want to rehearse that sequence. He's like, we shouldn't rehearse this. We should just go and do it. Um but also Michael Mann is also known for doing multiple takes. So I think he said the majority of that sequence is take eleven. Oh nice. <laughs> We're gonna go into our reviews so we can finish. Sean, would you like to go first? What is what is your review of this film? I guess because it's your favourite, what's your recommendation for people to watch this film if they've got this far without watching the film? Um, b- turn your phone off. You won't want to look at it, but t- turn, turn, turn your phone off. Sit down with a with with a nice drink because you're gonna get thirsty. Um, mm. the this is one of those few films I would say to people: look at that runtime and think I haven't got three hours to watch a movie, and go. God, I wish I had three hours more because that's what he is. It, it it is the defining semi-film noir thriller drama. It's one of the finest American pictures ever made. It's hands down one of the best movies of the '90s, which is saying something. Mm. Um, but it, it, and it's also Michael Mann's definitive film. Yeah. So, like, uh, it's it's one of Pacino. And De Niro's definitive films. It's one of Val Kilmer's definitive films. It's it, it's one of John Voight's definitive films, and he's not really in it that much. Yeah. Um, if you look at the caliber of the talent involved, and know that this is one of their definitive films, even just Pacino alone, it's worth the watch. But to have that much talent, to see a film that a, a script that is so intricate and so detailed, and yes, it's incredibly masculine. And it may fail the Beckdale test, but it's one of the films that is allowed to fail the Beckdale test because I don't. I, I, it just be impossible not to appreciate the level of spectacle and artistry that is on display from every member of the crew. One hundred percent. That's a phenomenal oh, and that's and, and oh, thank you very much. And I just sorry, just two things. Spinotti's uh, cinematography with the long lenses is, is incredible, mm. and the score. Is just oh. that final bit. The the final bit of music will will bring it will bring me to my knees every time. Yes, fair enough. 
I usually listen to that song like on repeat for like a week after watching Heat. Like every time <laughs> I watch it, <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> Charlie, do you want to say what your thoughts and feelings are? I'm a bit nervous following up that one because that was a uh, very well put together there, Sean. Um, just imagine everybody naked. <laughs> do not, don't, don't do that. It's only us. It's just me and Sean. Don't imagine us naked, you strange pervert. Please sign up for the uh, favorite film is awful only fans. <laughs> yeah, times are tough out there, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to see me and Luke do some freaky shit with their feet, <laughs> no, no. Oh. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. The OnlyFans is exactly the same. It's just we have our tops off. That's yeah. the only difference. We're expecting Sold. £20. Pound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Charlie, back to you. I agree with Sean. I think it's one of the best movies of the 90s. I think it's one of the great crime movies of all time. I think not only... I think what I love about it is that, you know, it's a heist movie, but it's a heist movie on such a magnitude, but just such a big scale like it it feels like how leone made the westerns how he made them big and like he played with that you know it's cinema you know it's this is its own world and i think michael mann captures that with the heist genre and the crime genre in heat um in a magical way um it's one of the best la movie la crime movies and there's a lot of them uh that are great um it's it's one of the most i mean everyone who everyone's dad loves heat do you know what i mean like everyone's like <laughs> eh, eh, so like like it's one of those movies where like you bring up and someone goes cool that's a film in it that's a film. <laughs> but it, it's, it's just it's just a it's a it's a classic and it's a film that i've always get surprised that it almost come out in the 90s because it feels so classic it, like it feels like it come out in like the 70s 80s even though it does feel very much like a 90s movie it's just so like the the scale the characters the way it's very like the grittiness of it but also like the the fact that everything feels like they're they're on a stakeout like everything is like like you said Sean with those long lenses everything feels like we're watching them just as much as the cops are watching these characters and and just the like the fact that the thought put into this movie i think is just phenomenal from like every single frame you you understand what the characters are through the actions no one's sitting around telling you and like particularly for a movie that's three hours it doesn't really take there's not a lot of scenes of people talking unless they're the best scenes of the movie <laughs> and uh i just there's something i adore about that the fact that it's free, it just f- absolutely flies by um the tension the, the the characters i mean it's just rich i i, I don't know i don't know I, I, what more i can say that we've already said um yeah rich it's a, it's is the correct word it's 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 a masterpiece it's rich it's a it's a rich text you know it's 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 the kind of thing if you were trying to teach kids how to analyze things in school for like you know like analyzing books or think in an analytical way mm. it would be such a good place to start and yeah. lord knows they'd be engaged yes 100% Luke? I think this film gave me Stockholm Syndrome. Because <laughs> I didn't like... I don't... It's, it's okay. When I, was a, when I was a wee boy, I tried to watch this film, and I couldn't. Turned it off. Boring. Garbage. This was even before I had a mobile phone, so I can't even blame technology for that. I just didn't like it. Hmm. This time around, I started the film. 
the action the the opening action scene got me into it then it slowed down and i got out of it and then it but it it was like a little roller coaster where i was never bored but i was never fully engaged apart from like a couple of scenes like the dinner scene uh and the big shootout of course those being like amazing it was it was a good film i it's it's not i don't put it i understand what it has done for cinema um what you guys have all said you uh sean actually you reminded me of uh, dark knight and that opening sequence and of course you've both spoken about christopher nolan and i've i can like imagine scenes and be like oh yeah this bit and that bit are very similar like um what so of course you've got the dark knight opening scene and then their relationship but also uh baby driver the shootout in that where it's all to music ah amazing so like you can see its influence on cinema but because it's the original there's it's always going to be if you didn't see that at the beginning of your film journey it's always going to be compared to things that are fundamentally better because they've improved on the recipe so, i'd love to know what they are pardon i'd love to know what those films are but yeah continue well, well dark knight baby driver is like some <laughs> Baby Driver, like, I, it, like as much as I enjoy Baby Driver, it shouldn't even be in the same conversation as he. No, <laughs> I, think Edgar Wright, I think Edgar Wright would agree with that. <laughs> no, I mean, but, no, but I do what you mean, the shootout the shoot is true. Outs. You're right, you're yeah. right. You're like, if you're just yeah. comparing those two, very which I am in my brain. Yeah, I meant it's more very obviously like, the quality of the movie. Yeah, no, I it, it's one of those, like, other directors and other films have taken pieces out of it to improve on. Like, nobody's taken the one recipe they've taken elements and because of that it does have this weird frankenstein-esque position in my head where bits of it are freaking great bits of it are not as great i didn't care for the cocaine adult performances but then strangely i liked the character like when he isn't acting like he's on coke I like it. And when he is acting like it, I'm just like, cool, now you're a bit of a caricature. But in this podcast, you've explained that that's uh, like a technique for uh, interrogating Spots. informants. And so like, it makes sense now. And it's, it's one of those films where I think this has happened a couple of times where this has been my first proper viewing. And when I've watched it, it's been a very par birdie film. And then in this conversation, it's become more of like a a better film. Oh, that that's great! Sense. I, that's I know exactly good. What that's you what mean I like as well. to hear. Yeah, yeah, I like to hear that that's a lot. Like, yeah, that, that's However, exactly like. Sorry, just, I was just about to say I, oh. I, that's what exactly my hope is with the podcast. And sometimes I've had that with watching movies as well, where like you you speak about it with your friends after you watch the movie, and slowly you're like, oh, in a minute, that scene was good, and that was that was actually pretty genius. Yeah. And hold on a minute, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, and then like. Sometimes it takes time to like sit on things. Um, I find. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. It's very much like um, on a three to no, on a higher scale. On a on a out of ten, I would have given it like a seven, and then over the course of this conversation, it's gone up to an eight, maybe even a nine, sort of thing. Hey! Oh, fantastic! Yes, we that's did magnificent our job. news. <laughs> really good news. Correct. Maybe a seven point five. <laughs> <laughs> However. <laughs> Because of that roller coaster emotion, because of the reasons I've given, for me, as I've done my film journey and have come to it quite late in that 
uh, in due course is too long i don't care for long films it's it's like a good i'd say it's a good 20 30 minutes longer than i like i think that because it is 70 roles and it is giving every character enough dialogue for you to understand who that character is it it's just added to the runtime and it is one of those that it's that delicate balance of Yes, it could have been shorter. Some bits could have been taken out, but then it wouldn't be the package we've got. It would have, like, certain elements wouldn't be as good. So, like, it's... you, you I get it that you can't take anything out, but also I want you to take something out. <laughs> well... And, and I hope we can still off. be friends, Sean. <laughs> no, no. We we can still be friends. I think, I think that movie... I, there is an hour 40 version of that movie, right? And oh. it ends... I mean, it doesn't exist, but you could make it. And it yeah. ends, right, where yes. at the end of the shootout and instead of Chris and De Niro getting away, they both get killed because it's you still you you get or or Chris just gets away because then you get the mm. exact same conclusion. But yeah. it's not as earned because you don't no. get all the character moments mm. and the fallout of that. And that's I think that's ultimately why I really, really love this film. Mm. So that structurally it's it follows a perfect structure. But mm. it's it's a structure that's built entirely on your investment in the characters, mm. and I think for me that makes it a really rich text. I think it's it, it makes it one of the great American screenplays, and it's also one of those movies. It's one of those movies where I think I think the movie is better than the script. Yes, I could see that, and not like I've read the script, but like in, I have. In terms of what I said earlier, <laughs> in terms of you know like the cinema aspect of it like it's it's very operatic and that's why i mm. justify its three hour runtime like it feels like the sense that you know like how leone brought to the western that sense of operatic that larger than life this does the same for like the crime heist movie for me and i, I think that's why it justifies its three hour runtime because you're like spending the time with these characters and you want to have this epic conclusion to this big build-up that you've been given but yeah i do I, yeah i guess long i'm glad that you i'm I'm glad that you enjoyed it, though. I'm glad that this has yeah, been an opportunity same. for you to, to give it another go. And I actually think if you... I will suggest this. I think at a certain point in your life, you're going to go, maybe I should watch that again. And I think you're going to enjoy it even more. Yeah, yeah um, I can definitely and that's see the, that that's, happening. That's the, beauty of this, that's the beauty of this podcast, you know? Like, uh, being able to come in and talk about things that you're passionate about. But, but not just... It's an opportunity to... You know, a lot of times when people speak... They're just waiting for their turn to speak. They're not listening mm. to what's been said. And we, we kind of joke about that a little bit when, you know, we like, I disagree with your review or one star, you're one star, you know, whatever <laughs> we say. But, you know, ultimately, I feel like this is a this is a wonderful thing to have, to be able to have this discussion and and, and listen, you know, not mm. just wait for your turn to speak. So thank thank you. Thank you, boys, for the opportunity to come um to come on board and speak, but also as an opportunity to listen. I appreciate that. No, well, thank, thank you, you for coming, for on. coming on. And as a reward. Always a pleasure for your kindness for for coming back you want to plug where people can find you uh yeah sure you can you can find me sg films sean grimsley films type my name into google i'm the first one that comes up hot damn (laughs) so you need anything filmed you need anything edited you need any animations or if you just like the look of me and uh want to buy me a cup of coffee i can't come (laughs) but you know that'd be nice wouldn't it (laughs) nice little compliment very nice (laughs) and charlie where can people find us if they so desire to do so right they can find us on youtube like they're watching us right now unless you're listening (laughs) Uh, on youtube your favorite film is awful 
or you can find us on Twitter at FabFilmIsAwful, Instagram, your favorite film is awful, and Facebook, your favorite film is awful. So yeah, send us a message, like, subscribe, all that jazz, click the bell, you know, you know what to do. Just go out there and do it. And all that so jazz. <laughs> exactly. It's been great. It's been lovely seeing you, Sean. Charlie, I see you all the time. It's always great to see you. But Sean, it's been lovely to see you. It's yeah, been a pleasure, sir. Thank you. For, thanks for having me. Listener, watcher, thank you for watching and listening. Bye-bye. Take care. Great ass!